there. Welcome to the Northwest Audio Podcast, Midweek Formation. My name is Nick. I'm the community pastor here at Northwest, and I'm here with our lead pastor, Luke. Today, we continue our collection of teachings talking about the spiritual practices, and today we're going to be talking about fasting. Let's do it, man. The most unliked topic yeah. in this all one's of the church. Most, this one's the most intimidating. Yes, it is, but it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be at all. This is a beautiful, beautiful practice. And I'm sure by the end of this podcast, you'll have told us why. That's the goal. That's the goal. You're going to be so hungry by the end of this podcast because you'll be like, no, I don't want that. I'm not going to eat that food. I'm going to just skip all the meals today. Um, but I, I wouldn't w- actually do that. I would just go in with a plan. But I want to go to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm actually quite hungry right now, Nick, because <laughs> I didn't have breakfast this morning. I worked out, had my coffee, and I'm looking forward to an early lunch. But... Okay, let's get into this because it is a it is a practice that has been uh, part of the Christian faith for um, just generations and generations, and it really is a difficult practice for the modern church to engage with faithfully. It doesn't mean that there's not Christians that take it seriously. There's probably listeners right now who are like, I do take fasting very seriously, but it's rarely taught from the platform. It's rarely integrated into spiritual formation at churches. And so we just need to tackle this. We need to talk about it. We need to acknowledge how important this is. There's a lot of content here. And so I'm just going to like guide us through it. I'd love for you to interrupt me when you have like a thought, a comment, a question, um, so that we can just kind of fill out a, um, yeah, a, a kind of a tree, a, a treatment of fasting on a podcast. So this is not, this is not a an exhaustive um, evaluation of fasting. This is an introduction. This is a starting place. This is a beginning place. But again, practices are creating space for the Holy Spirit to fill, and fasting is creating space in your belly for, for the, the Holy Spirit, Spirit to fill. To fill. <laughs> okay. Fasting is mentioned over 70 times in scripture, Nick. It's a lot of times. It's a lot of times. And every time it's mentioned, it's mentioned fasting from food. Well, yeah. Why is that so important? Because uh, here's my question for you. Guess how many times fasting from social media or fasting from TV or fasting from shopping is mentioned? Well... I would venture to say a whopping zero because uh, those things didn't exist. Ding, 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 <laughs> ding, 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 ding. You nailed it. You nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. Zero times. Zero times. Okay. So let's just talk about this for a second because I'm probably going to get some pushback. Um, <laughs> I have heard of many of pastors say something to the effect of, um, hey, it's, you know, it's Holy Week or Lent or we're doing 21 days of fasting and prayer. And uh, if you don't want to fast from food, uh, then, you know, fast from social media or fast from TV or coffee or alcohol or just fast. Okay, here's the problem with that. The problem with coming up with any alternative to fasting from food takes away the power of fasting. Yeah, I would say that it waters it down because I think... If you're choosing something to fast over food, it means it shows that you're clearly more dependent on food than the thing that you're choosing to fast from. Even 1, if it even if it is dependent. Percent. Like fasting, there is a lot of value in fasting from other things in the essence of like, oh, well, I do depend on these things a lot and I will notice that they're gone and I will miss them and that will create space for me to pray. That's great. That's great. There's value in that. There is value from fasting from social media, but it is not as valuable 
as fasting from food because clearly you're more dependent on food than you are social media. I would actually venture to say that if you need to fast from social media, just delete the word fasting. You're, just, you're bumper sticking, <laughs> stickering it right now. You're slapping the title fasting onto your bad habit of social media <laughs> and you're giving yourself a sense of righteousness by saying, I'm just going to fast from social media. It's like, you can't. There's no such thing as fasting from social media. You can like try to reduce your amount of time you spend on social media, but fasting and food are inseparable mm. because there would have been a lot of options, a lot of things that people in the desert days could have fasted from that are lost in our contemporary context now. But it was never suggested that fasting and anything other than food were paired together. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, that's probably not going to hit everyone the same. And I, I acknowledge that you look, you're free to disagree with me and I reserve the right to be wrong. The Bible is making this so clear. There is literally no such thing as fasting from anything else except for food. If you need to reduce the amount of intake of social media, intake of this, intake of that, then you have a bad habit that needs to be reevaluated. Okay. But fasting is from food. So why is that important? Because if you can say no to food, you can say no to anything. The power of hunger is more powerful than any other human sensation, even sex. Like psychologists have been looking at this for generations. You like, what is it? The Pavlov's hierarchy of needs, something, something like that. Um, the psychology science has been here forever. Faith and science do not disagree about this at all. Um, you and I hunger like the human frame hungers for food before it hungers even for sex. The human frame hungers for food before it even hungers for longing and love. The psychology is there. The biology is there. Um, if you can say no to food, you can say no to anything because the power of hunger is more powerful than any other human sensation. Okay. That is why fasting and food are inseparable because of the power of hunger. This is why massive ministries are oriented around hunger, right? So Compassion International, be it food, be it water, uh, you know, we don't worry about where our next meal is coming from because we live in America, but we are the minority in the world. The reality is that most people are concerned about where their next meal is coming from. And yes, there are pockets of food insecurity in the United States. And that's part of the Christian's call is to enter those spaces and, and resolve that. But much of the world is concerned and insecure about where their next meal is coming from. Okay. So hunger to us is, is a foreign concept. If we're right. hungry, we jump in our car and run through the drive-thru. Yeah. Right. Okay. So let's define fasting for our listeners, Nick. This is Luke's definition. Luke's definition. This is distilled down from um, you know, my understanding of fasting. So if you want to go look up your own definition of fasting, make sure you start in this little dictionary with the source deal called the Bible and start there. Okay. Fasting is going without food, creating hunger and repurposing that hunger for hunger for God. In the great words of our theologian, Raven Moody, our theologian, <laughs> Fasting without prayer is a diet. This is true. And I just thought that was so powerful because everywhere in scripture, everywhere in scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, we're going to get to this in a second. Uh, 
fasting is from food and that hunger for food is repurposed, basically re-identified. You give it a new identity. This hunger has now a new identity. It is now hunger instead of for food is now for God. And that power, that sensation, that uncomfortable feeling you have in your body of like hunger pangs, those hunger pangs are now hunger pangs for the presence of God. This is why fasting and food go together because there's no power coming from, oh, the hunger pangs for social media. It's just like, that's not powerful enough. Hmm. It's not powerful enough to bring hunger pangs for God. It's just not. And so um, you will never hear a pastor from the platform at this church call on our church to, to fast from social media. If you've got a social media problem, you just need to like, I don't know. Go re- on social media less. Re- <laughs> relearn a bad habit. Yeah, go on social media less, but don't call it fasting because fasting is for food. Okay, so let's get into the Old Testament. The Old Testament, we're going to start there because um, the whole counsel of God is saying the exact same thing about fasting. Ezra 8, 23, okay? Fasting is to strengthen prayer. So there's a benefit. You know, we think about fasting as like going without food and therefore running on empty. It's, it's actually the opposite. It's going without food to create a hunger impulse and repurpose that for hunger for God to strengthen whatever it is that uh, needs to be strengthened. In this case, Ezra 8.23, to strengthen prayer. That's a benefit. How about Judges 20.26, 20, to seek God's guidance. 1 Samuel 31.13, to express grief. Or 2 Chronicles 23 through 4, to seek deliverance or protection. Or 1 Samuel 7, 6, to express repentance and a return to God. Um, the only way any of those things are possible is to have the power of hunger in your gut. To have the power of hunger, the uncomfortable sensation of I am hungry and these hunger pangs are bringing me to a place that I can re-identify them. They are now, they have a new identity. These, these hunger signals of mine have a new identity and I'm going to repurpose them and reallocate them for hunger for God's presence. Yeah. This is the power of fasting. And I think spiritually it, re- it reveals a need. Yeah. It reveals that you, you need God. Like I, I know Desperately. It, it, in the times that I have fasted, it has um, more than anything revealed my own weaknesses. And I like, I mean, it's so true what Paul says in, in my weakness, you know, I'm strong. Like through my weakness, Christ's strength flows through me. Yeah. Um, it's a paradox because yeah. you going empty in your weakness is really God filling you with right. his strength. Right. And so it's it is be- a paradox. Yeah. And, and it's honestly, it's absolutely creating space because if you're relying on your own strength, then there's no room for Christ's strength. But if you empty yourself, if you, if you go down to your lowest weakness and Christ's strength it can fill you up. I even love that word empty. Isn't it funny how we use that in the church? Like we yeah. just want to empty ourselves before the Lord and like fasting is doing that literally. Yeah. <laughs> and biologically, not just spiritually. I love that. All right. Now that we hit the Old Testament, let's hit a little bit of New Testament. Let's do it. Matthew 6, 16a, quote, and when you fast, 
and when you fast. He did not say, and if you fast, <laughs> he did not say anything else except for, and when you fast, Jesus is assuming his followers are going to fast. That is so difficult to accept. Yeah. Because fasting is the last thing on my mind. It's the last practice I get to. I almost reserve it for like the big seasons of life. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Like I've got a big decision to make. I've got this. Yep. Yep. And so we, we predict it as if it's like the, uh, if I absolutely, absolutely have to, I'll skip a meal. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) But Jesus is assuming that this is a practice for his followers. Oh, you know how hard that is to accept? (laughs) Talk about like a punch to an empty gut. Like that hurts. Yeah. But I kind of like it because Jesus is not um, beating around the bush here. And when you fast. Okay. And so in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, um, Jesus spends 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness being tempted by the enemy uh, and is victorious and never succumbs to the enemy. And then he begins his three-year ministry. So there is a there is something to fasting and preparing for ministry. You know, we see that in Jesus. We see um, an Old Testament example. We see lots of Old Testament examples of the benefits of fasting. But in Jesus, we see someone who enters into fasting in anticipation and preparation for the Holy Spirit to do something magnificent. And there's something to that. And, you know, we look at Jesus and we're like, well, okay, he was God. You know, he is God. And, you know, he had this three-year ministry. And so I I can fast maybe on a a Wednesday at noon because it makes sense for me that week. And I'd love to replace that hour with prayer and study or, or whatever, but I don't have anything big planned the next night or the next day. So I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Jesus was preparing himself for three years worth of ministry. Yeah. And although I don't, um, I think that the 40 day deal is absolutely optional in between you and God and you and God only. I do think that there is something about anticipating ministry. Yeah. Like just because uh, you don't have, I don't know, an assignment the next day doesn't mean that God doesn't have an assignment for you the next day. And so when you prepare yourself, you are preparing yourself for the possibility of whatever might happen. Yeah. And so just because you don't have like, okay, well, I don't have anything planned for the weekend, so I don't really need to fast. It's like, well, that doesn't mean God doesn't have something planned for you for the weekend. So if we can just find it in ourselves to find some rhythmic cadence, some practice of fasting um, that works for us and what works for you might not work for me and what works for me might not work for somebody else. And we'll get to a little bit of that later here in the podcast too. But we see that Jesus is assuming his followers are going to fast and then he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights in a preparation for a three-year ministry. To me, that is so powerful. And that sends a message and that sends a signal to Christians today that fasting is a lost practice on our generation, man. And it, I think that the church in the West is better suited now than ever to hear this message of fasting and to begin to incorporate this practice into our lives because 
we live in the most gluttonous time in the history of the world. And food is good. And I'm a foodie for sure. Oh yeah. I'm a foodie. But food is not God. And frankly, it is an idol for many of us. Yeah. And this is where everyone starts squirming. Because mm-hmm. like, dude, you can talk about literally every subject. You start bringing up food and people just get so uncomfortable. They're like, ah, do I have to give up food? Do I have to There's give up just, a meal? That's really inconvenient. I mean, honestly, people would rather hear a message or a, or a, or a plea from Christian leaders on literally any other topic than food. Well, it's because in our world, it's inconvenient. Like food is the social thing. Like, oh, maybe I could fast this day, but then I can't get lunch with anybody. Or I can't have dinner with my family. Or I can't, like, there's all these different things. It's like, oh, now that prevents me from doing the things that I like to do. Which is kind of the point. Yeah, and it also... To an extent. You also can, you can also be like a arbitrator of your own schedule like be someone who's in control of your own calendar like if you if you know that you've got a party that weekend where you would look silly and it would be inconsiderate for you to not eat the meal that was prepared for you well plan in advance yeah plan in advance fast on not that day (laughs) (laughs) it's that simple um you know and i if if we again if we turn this into an obligatory thing instead of a means of grace we've missed it Mm. This is a means of grace. This is creating space for the Holy Spirit to fill. That's the idea of a practice. And so, but I know, I know myself and I'm, and we are all so alike. We humans are so alike. We hate to hear and be challenged on this topic, but whatever we don't teach, whatever we don't speak into existence uh, is an idol that does not go uh, unbroken. It's an idol that doesn't get tipped over. And so I want to say it again, we live in the most gluttonous time in the history of the world and food for many people is an idol. And I want the Holy Spirit to crack and break and break down and tip over that idol in people's lives because food is good and God gave us taste buds. So that means that he wanted us to enjoy this wide breadth of taste and flavor and goodness in food. Like food is good. But it has become God for many of us. And again, any good thing that becomes an absolute thing becomes a destructive thing. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, some of us, myself included, we have to look into our hearts and say, am I living to eat? Or am I eating to live? Hmm. Those are two different things. And fasting can break the power of gluttony. Fasting can tip over that idol in our lives. It can. And once we realize that we can live without food for a short time, hopefully we can, the Holy Spirit can demonstrate to us that he has the power to break down that idol in our lives. This is way more spiritual (laughs) than I even realized. Right. And, um, that's true for any, that's true for any idol. And, um, I just want to bring you back to the story. We'll kind of conclude after these last comments here. And, but this, this syndrome of, of living to eat or this um, commitment to food above all things and, oh man, just being so preoccupied by food. It's called the Esau syndrome, which is just a clever way. It's, it was Eugene Peterson's way of um, teaching Hebrews twelve sixteen, which is the message version, which is watch out for the Esau syndrome. Trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. Mm. Watch out. Church, watch out for the Esau syndrome. 
We can be so preoccupied with food. We can think about it so often that we miss God's better for what we want the most. And Esau is proof. Well, just give me some food and you can have my birthright. He just traded God's whole plan for him for this temporary fast food meal. Yeah. And look, I got nothing against fast food. Like Chick-fil-A is my jam. (laughs) I'm sure the the food that that Jacob made was much better than some fast food. I don't know, man. Chick-fil-A knows what they're doing. (laughs) But yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) That was a home cooked meal. (laughs) But don't don't miss don't miss the power of this. Like God's word is confronting you face to face right now. Yeah. And like that is that's a good thing. And you know, whatever the Holy Spirit doesn't confront you know, face to face with you is something you won't think about and won't wrestle with. So I want all of us to watch out for the Esau syndrome. And so, um, I'm especially passionate about fasting because I've seen how food can destroy people's lives. Um, being married to an eating disorder therapist, I have been privy to now 11 years of understanding, um, eating problems, be it, uh, anorexia, be it bulimia, uh, be it um, uh, like overeating, um, impulsive eating. I, I've, I've, I've heard it. I've, I've seen it all. I don't know names because my wife can't share names because she's under the HIPAA yes. law. Duh. I would never even ask for that. But I have a, now a general understanding. I have like a, I have a certificate <laughs> <laughs> in mental health in terms of eating disorders specifically. Um, and what I have discovered is that the power of food is um well way more powerful than i thought yeah yeah uh for better or for worse whether it's the power of not eating or the power of overeating or the power of controlling what you eat or trying to have what you eat control you it's just it's a mess um and it's it's heartbreaking and it affects both men and women this is not just something that women struggle with even though there's stigma there it's yeah. it's it's false stigma it's something that both men and women wrestle with. If you are listening to this right now and you have ever had an eating disorder, if you ever have had a, um, uh, eating any kind of eating disorder that has been, uh, described to you by a clinical, um, clinician, you should not fast yep. until that's resolved because you will end up using it. You'll use it as an excuse to exasperate an eating disorder that currently exists in your life. So do not fast. You will make what is bad worse. You must resolve what is going on underneath first before you engage in a practice like this. And only a clinician can give you the green light for that. Like I cannot overstate that. I cannot overstate that. But if you have never wrestled with an eating disorder of any kind, if, if you've never had any kind of um, clinician, based eating disorder treatment of any kind. Like I don't have that in my life, but I've also never fasted. My simple, uh, uh, recommendation to you is to start small, try one meal, just try one meal and create time to enter into prayer during that, what would have been your meal. Um, so, you know, don't overthink this. If you don't want to do a 40 day, uh, fast, you you don't have to. Um, Jesus's 40 day fast was descriptive, not prescriptive. Yeah. It was not a command. It was Jesus's life. And I've never done a 40 day fast. I've known some people that have, and it 
um, was life-changing for them. I don't see how it couldn't be life-changing for them on a biological level, a psychological level, a physiological level. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. 40 days is a long time. It's a long time. But there, there have been times I have fasted and uh, I've, I've done a version of the Daniel fast before, which is like basically a partial food fast. Um, I've done a couple of versions of that and then I've done an absolute fast before, which is going without any kind of food in water and water only. Um, but I've never done it for more, um, than a very abbreviated amount of time. Yeah. Um, I've never done more than a day. Yeah. And, and honestly, like fasting can get over spiritual because then you can start using it to look like you are somehow more spiritually robust. And then now we're, yep. Now you're misusing the practice. Because if you are fasting so that other people admire your spiritual maturity, you have completely missed the point of fasting. Yes. And fasting is honestly then doing more harm than it is good. Yes, it is. And you should not fast. You should stop fasting. If you are using it to look like a better Christian, you shouldn't fast. Fasting is a very private thing. And if you're walking around with a disheveled face, you're like, I haven't eaten in five days. (laughs) Look at how spiritual I am. It's like, dude, you've totally missed the point. You look like you need a meal. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, let's quick get you to Cracker Barrel, man. Let's get you tanked up. Oh, dude, Um, Cracker Barrel pancakes. Stop it. We're talking about fasting right now, man. We're not fasting today. No, I am not fasting today. I'm not fasting today. That's true. So I've got plans for lunch today. Cracker barrel pancakes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but all of all of us, man, all of us Christians, all of the listeners, like we should all plan. We should all plan and prepare to enter into that place and space because in that emptiness, in that weakness, you can re-identify that hunger, those hunger pangs, and then hunger for God and allow that to be something that means of grace that God that creating that space that God fills. I think that when God fills you with his presence on an empty stomach, it is a different experience than when God fills you when you have a full stomach. I really do. I really do. And I know that sounds like a little bit too detailed, but it's true. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a, it feels different because obviously you're hungry. It feels <laughs> yeah. physically different. It feels desperate. It, yes, yeah. absolutely. Like you want to cry. <laughs> yes. It's awful. It's awful, but it's beautiful. Awful. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's awful in the moment. And then afterwards you're like, wow, that was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, audience, we know that this is, this is actually a sensitive subject topic. It can be taken. It can be taken wrongly. Hopefully it encourages you. If you feel like you heard something on this podcast, you're like, what the heck? Please feel free to email me at nick at mercyroadnw.com. Joking. You can email me and I won't be mad about it. <laughs> and um, you will forward that email to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we want to hear from you. We, we want, if you have questions, if you have things that you're wrestling with, um, do not wrestle by yourself. Do not do that. That is not the way, not the way. The way of Jesus is to do it in community. Mm, um, come on now. And so if, if you got anything on your mind, you can do that on the media page um, on our website. You can do that. Um, or you can just email us directly. We're happy to do that as well and facilitate a conversation of some kind. Nick, before we close out, give us like a sneak peek of next week. So our audience sneak is peek. like, ooh, what's coming? A sneak peek of next week. 
uh, next week is um, celebration and gratitude. Mm. The opposite of fasting. If anything, it's honestly, it's feasting. Oh, wow. So be sure to join us for that. It's going to be a great time. Uh, So yeah, thanks for being here with us today. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you again soon. Mm -hmm.